Estás sintonizando adictoalexito.es, donde los grandes genios emprendedores comparten sus secretos que los llevaron a desarrollar proyectos de éxito masivo. Estos consejos, jamás contados, revelarán la cruda realidad de lo que se necesita para triunfar. Así que prepárate, toma nota, que estás en adictoalexito.es. Empezamos. Hi, this is Jessica Olmos from Addicto al Éxito. I have the honor to introduce you to Victor Antonio. He has built a 20-year career as a top sales executive, president of global sales and marketing company. He has worked for Fortune 500 companies, has a billion dollars of sales, and he's also have he's an author of 12 books. He's also an international sales, sales trainer, and he's the host of Life or Depth on Spike TV. Hi, uh, Victor, how are you? I'm doing good, Jessica. But just to be clear, I didn't sell a billion dollars. We worked for I worked for a three billion dollar company. Oh, okay. But, but I did sell a lot, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, can you tell us a little bit more who's Victor Antonio? Uh, my family's originally from Puerto Rico, right? Puerto Ricano. Sí. Uh, but I was born and raised in Chicago. Uh, okay. So I think I saw. I think they took me to Puerto Rico when I was eight, but I really saw Puerto Rico for the first time when I was 30. So, wow. you know, so I always tell people, soy americano, you know, yes. half American, Puerto Rican. But my family moved in the late 50s. Um, and so we lived in the inner city of Chicago near the Carini Green housing projects, near the Humble Park area. And so it was a, it was a very hard upbringing. So we didn't have a lot of money. We were poor. Uh, the fast forward the story, went to school, got an engineering degree, got an MBA, went into corporate America. Started out as an engineer, didn't like it, Jessica, and I moved into sales eventually. And when I found sales, it's like I found my home in business. Yes. And what is your why? Why did you start all this business? Why was it your home? What? Why, why was the motivation? Uh, yes. My 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 mother, mommy, mommy de la motivación. Okay. Uh, she was she was ella y la chancleta. Uh, <laughs> You know, my mother said to me, she says, you know, if you don't go to college, you'll have to go to work with your father at the factory. Wow. wow. And true story. And so I remember my father had one of those, I call it a black collar job because it was so dirty. You know, it, it, it was horrible. And so I went to college because of two things. One, I didn't want to work at the factory. The other thing was that, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and I heard engineers made money. And so I saw that as a way of, you know, trying to earn money. And my mother also, I'm one of seven, the youngest one. Wow. And my mother really wanted one of us to, you know, like go to a four-year college degree school, right? In other words, graduate from college. So I was her last hope. And I said, yeah, I'll do it because I don't want to work at the factory. But I've always been motivated by fear. Okay. You okay. know, and people find that interesting because I said, you know, uh, there's something about the fear of being poor, the fear of being broke, you know, that drives me because I just don't want to go back anymore. I imagine. So you're really different from your brothers and sisters. Why is that? Yeah, it's, you know, I don't know, Jessica, you know, people always ask me, you know, you know, you know, well, what was different about you? You know, what changed, you know, you know, and I don't know, Jessica, you know, life is, is, is weird, right? Because you can go one step this way or one step that way and things could go very wrong. Uh -huh. I think I was just lucky in many, I guess, in many circumstances, I guess, you know, there, there were times where, you know, if I'd gone left one way, things would have gone bad. And I just got lucky. You know, I'd like to tell you that it was a grand plan. I figured it all out. I had the master plan. No, I was like feeling my way through the dark. And I think, you know, when you come from, you know, the, the neighborhood, the hood, el barrio, lo que sea, you know, we, we just try to get out. You know what I mean? Better ourselves. Yes. But to me, I think the biggest, the biggest shift, Jessica, was when I went to college. 
when I went to college, see, in our neighborhood, it was always predominantly black and Hispanics. Okay. Black and Hispanics. Casi 50-50. 50-50. And when I went to college, it was for the first time I felt like a real minority because, you know, there weren't that many Hispanics. Uh, you know, because uh, typically we had Mexicans and Puerto Rican in our neighborhood. But now I was going to college and I was like dealing with Latin Americans, right? You know, from Colombia, sí. right? And all these other países, no? And so then you realize that everybody's different. But then you start realizing that you deal with people from Asia, you know, you know, whatever, the Middle East and obviously Americans. And so I was thrown into an environment that was out of my element. Okay. But then then one day, and, and don't laugh at the story, okay? This is a true story. Do not laugh, Justin. The, I met a guy, his name was Mike and Mike was white and I, and we became very good friends. And I found out that Mike who was white was poor. And I was like, Mike, you know, why are you poor? You know, you're white. You shouldn't be poor. And he looked at me like I was an idiot. Right. Because in my mind, you know, sometimes in the neighborhood, we're conditioned that success is for other people, but us, la raza, lo que sea, no. And I realized that there are other people who are poor also. And I don't know if people know this, but the, the majority of poor people in the United States, in terms of number, not percentage, in terms of number, are whites. Wow, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, because you think about their largest population, the, the majority of poor are whites. In fact, the majority of people who use welfare, uh, public assistance, are white. Wow. But what happens is that they combine Hispanics, you know, uh, Asians, African-Americans, uh, American Indians and others into a minority group. Okay. And it seems bigger than whites. Okay. And so I, you know, those were things that that woke me up. It was almost like a matrix moment. You know how you wake up from the matrix? Yes. And and that's when I realized that, you know, success is for everybody. I mean, that's when it really hit me. You know, when Mike, who was white, was poor, and I realized, wait a minute, everything I've been told about, you know, who we are, like success is not for us. Yes. It's for other people. I was like, no, that's a lie. It's for us. Yes. And it's you funny, like when you travel to um, Latin America, there's people that don't have money, but they're selling oranges, they're selling something. And here they're just begging for money here in the United States. So I think that's funny. I, I think it's a, you know, it's it's very fascinating because when, when people first come from Latin America, you know, they're hard workers. Yes. Nobody argues that. Nobody argues that. And, but, you know, there's a lot of people who just get used to living on public assistance. Okay. Y no sé si es mala costumbre, hábitos, lo que sea, pero... Algo, you know, they just they, they want the easy way out. And so I find it fascinating. But, I, but you know, my message has always been success is for everybody. I, I am colorblind, you know, and I mean that in a, in a, in a literal sense because, uh, Jessica, I did my DNA test. Uh-huh. You know, oh, my God, I'm from everywhere. <laughs> I, I even have Irish in me. Oh, really? I have Irish. I have European. I have Middle Eastern, uh, African, obviously, Indian. And I even have some Jew in me. Wow. Tengo de todo. Una mezcla tremenda. You know, and it was like, I got everything. And so, you know, that was another reinforcement that we're all from everywhere. Do you yes. know what I mean? Yes. And I, I hope one day that we can reach a level where we transcend categories, race. Do you, you know? think that will happen, especially with Trump right now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I think it's been divisive even before that. And I, and I think it's just, you know, but it'll be not. But here's where we got to put everything in perspective. I was born in 1963, and I remember around the 60s, growing up in early 70s, I remember like real racism. Now, oh. you talk to somebody in the 40s and 50s, they'll talk to you about even more racism. Okay. So, so I think we're getting better. Do you know what I mean? I really believe that we're getting better, and the more that we become international, I think the better. The, the problem with, I'll say Americans, 
including myself in that, is that uh, there was a statistic that came out that was really interesting, Jessica. It said 75% of Americans don't have a passport. Wow. 75. Siete 75% of Americans don't have passport. What does that mean? They never travel. It's, they don't travel. They don't see things. Like, I've been on every continent. Nosotros vivimos en Argentina, por ejemplo, por dos años, ¿no? Wow. Y, yo he viajado todo Latinoamérica. I've been all over the place. I, almost every country, uh, especially Colombia. Uh-huh. And, and so, but I've also been to the Middle East. I've been to Africa. I've been to Asia. And the more I travel, the more I realize that the world is very complex. And I realize that it isn't that people are bad. Nobody's really bad. You know what I mean? You got the small... Five percent who is just crazy. Okay, put those to the side. <laughs> okay, but you know, I remember just traveling around. Uh, one of the biggest culture shocks was when I went to Saudi Arabia, to Jeddah, and I realized that their culture is their culture. Su cultura, su cultura. Our problem is we always try to impose our culture on other people. Yes, and Instead maybe of learning. Yeah, maybe learning and minding our own business okay. just a little bit. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, if and I, and I think that, but I, but I think we're getting better. You know, okay. whether whether it was uh, Obama before or Trump now, I I think we need to stop this this you know what I mean this back and forth that serves nobody, and I think we need to just kind of zoom back, and, and I think we should just like you know what I mean be ser humanos primero. You know. Just be human beings first and then look at it from that perspective instead of trying to wear a red shirt or a blue shirt. I'm Republican. I'm Democrat. And I see that a lot. I think, you know, I think that's a shame because I think the more we put ourselves in categories, the more we set ourselves up for disagreement. Okay. Because I think if we look, if, if everybody got into a big huddle and they said, okay, okay, let's see if we have a game plan here. Okay. We're all human beings. We don't like crime. We all need to take care of each other. We yes. all need to look out for each other. Um, the majority would say what? Yes. Yes, of course. Okay. Okay. So now that we have that, let's find ways to, you know, you know, I guess work together and figure this out without, you know, trying to win or I have a better argument or my candidate's better. It's, I don't know. I'm getting to the age where I'm tired of seeing that. You know what I mean? Yes. Just somebody please fix this thing. So yeah. would you say that we should encourage um, American people to travel more? Or Oh, absolutely. I, I, yes. The thing is, I mean, there's certain realities. Look, one is that Americans need to travel more. Okay. I think when they see more, I think they'll understand better and they'll just get a different perspective. I think they don't have that that perspective. Let's say people who come from other countries come here. They have a different perspective and they see things different. I think Americans who travel will come back appreciating the United States. Because every time I came back to the U.S. from a foreign country, I was like kissing the dirt when I got to the U.S. I was like, okay, good to be back. Because uh -huh. you, you realize you know, that this is a great country. And too often we're looking at all the negatives, but I don't know. I still see it as a great country. Start seeing more about the positives instead of the negative. Yeah, it's you know, it's the glass half empty or half full. I'm going with half full. Awesome. You know, I, we got we got a lot of things going on. I think you know, you know, whether it's this president or another president, you know, they're gonna somebody has to begin to fix things. Okay. And I don't think you know when I look at you know just people in general. I think we we just all do want to get along. I hate to use that phrase. Yes. But. But, I, you know, everybody wants the same thing, right? We want a nice family. We want a nice job. We want a nice income. We want to live comfortably. We want to be able to go outside and be safe. Everybody wants the same thing. Yes. Um, yesterday I was watching your show, um, Life or Death. You're sometimes tough with these people. Um, yeah. And that's great. I love it. Like, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I got I so excited. But what is the difference between someone, someone who is financially rich and someone who is financially poor? The, well, you know,
people have it together. Okay. But, and we talked about how, for example, 75% of American families are living paycheck to paycheck. Okay. 75 are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, Forbes did a study about a year, year and a half ago, and Jessica, they said that 61% of Americans have less than $1,000 in their savings account. Wow. Mira, mira eso. Less than $1,000 in their savings account. And so, again, it was fascinating. And, and there's one family, well, you'll figure which family out when you watch the show, that, you know, it's a beautiful couple, right? Yes. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's like an Adonis, handsome guy. She's beautiful. She's gorgeous, right? Beautiful couple. Yes. They have beautiful kids. They got a beautiful house. They got a they got beautiful cars in the driveway. They got a white picket fence and a dog named Boo. Okay? <laughs> but, you know, okay, they didn't have the dog. I made that part up. Okay. They, it's a perfect family, right? Yes. yes. But, but all I had to do was scratch a little bit and everything, like a house of cards, just fell apart. Wow. It was worse. You know, and I think a lot of American families are like that. You know, I think there's there's too much debt that we carry. You know, we we try to keep up with everybody else in terms of spending. I mean, the amount of money we spend, let's say, on, on, you know, on, on, on clothes is amazing. And we always feel like we have to buy. And so I guess that's the way our economy runs. But I think it's unfortunate sometimes. So how do we become more financially stable? The, you know, before I forget to mention, so I have a website called lifeordebt.tv, yes, lifeordebt.tv, and I created a home study course, and it's free. You just download it for free, and it really walks you through the process of how to begin to move towards that path of financial, towards the path of financial stability. And the first step I always say to people is to know your numbers. Okay. You know, you, you've got to know your numbers, and most people don't know their numbers. And so once you know your number, it's like a GPS system. You know where you're at. Okay. Now, we know where we want to go, which is debt-free, right? And so then we put a blueprint together, a plan is what we did with the family. I'm sure you saw this where we, you give them a roadmap and say, okay, here are the three to five things you need to do to become financially stable. And if they execute, you know, they become financially stable. When we looked at the 11 families we did in season one, 11, out of the 11, nine out of the 11 turned it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Some really turned it around. Uh, but two just didn't, you know. They just didn't listen. <laughs> they okay. didn't listen to me. Uh, and so, but it was an interesting show. It was very eye-opening because it really revealed to me, you know, the, the what, what's wrong with the American mindset of consumerism, you know, and how we it's 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 gone overboard sometimes. Uh, basically, like the show, I, I've never seen it, but everybody tells me um, keeping up with the Joneses, so everybody's yes. doing that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a mindset, right? You you look at your neighbor and you see they drive a new car. Maybe you need to drive a new car, right? Yes. Uh, everybody needs to have bigger houses, right? But one of the interesting things that I that I found fascinating during the show, I read a book by Elizabeth Warren. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a Democrat. She wrote a book with her daughter called The Two-Income Trap. Two-Income Trap. And in there, she she highlighted that one of the reasons that Americans are in debt was the fact that we move, that, that families are moving out of the cities because the educational system is failing us. The okay. government education system is failing us. So what happens is these families are moving to neighborhoods, better neighborhoods, safer neighborhoods. And in doing so, you know, they're stretching themselves financially where the husband and the wife have to work, right? Yes. And then what happens is they, they, they've stretched themselves because they want to put their kids in, a best, in the best schools, give them the best advantage. 
And then what happens is, let's say one of them loses their job or the, you know, when the economy goes down in a recession like 2007, 2009, somebody loses their job and all of a sudden they can't keep up anymore. And so part of the, the mindset of keeping up with the Joneses isn't for, for personal ego you know, purposes. It's also because they want to put their kids in better schools. Okay. So I thought that was an interesting perspective. Like it's a great book. It's called The Two-Income Trap. And it was an interesting there a bunch of studies in there. It was very fascinating. And I never looked at it from that perspective. Wow, I'm going to buy it today. So yeah. would you say like in culture wise, there are more Latins or more like us Latins that um oh you have to uh, you get your paycheck right and you go party every Friday or every day basically <laughs> and just drink. Um that's the culture I grew up in. So um do you think there's a difference with all the cultures or we're all the same? We're all wired the same? No, I think we're all wired the same. The same. I, I think, you know, we, we can talk about there's some cultural differences, but I also think that, you know, I mean, I was raised the same way, right? You know, that, you you know, we live for the weekend, no? Yes. Fiesta, lo que sea, no? And so we, we got to buy the nice clothes. We got to look good, the whole bit, right? Yes. And yeah. because we're Latinos, you know, we have to look good. You know, yes. we have to smell good. We have to look good, you know. Uh, when we go to the clubs. And so I've been there. And I, I think part of it is culture that drives us into, you know, a little bit of financial poverty. Okay. Because if nobody ever taught you uh, about finances, you don't know. And so my, my parents, when they came from Puerto Rico, uh, I think my mother had a third grade education or a fifth grade education. My father had, it was one or the other. My father had a third grade. She had a fifth grade, one or two. And what was interesting is that they never taught us about finances. Yes. Right. Yes. And, but here again is where, I, where I, I'm going to agree with Elizabeth Warren. She, our, our school systems don't teach us these things. They don't. I mean, imagine if from, from early on you were taught about savings, the value of savings. Imagine if you were taught about checkings account, you know, how compound interest works and how credit cards can kill you when you're paying 29% interest. But not just one class. I mean, you're taught all the way through high school. You know how to do these things. You know, even when you want to start a business, you know how to how to go get a loan or something to start yes, a business. Yeah. They don't teach us these things. They don't. And and so what happens is that, you know, if you go far back enough, you know, it's one thing to say, you know, Latins come over here, they like to party, they don't have a lot of money, but they still party. Well, that's because we haven't learned yet. But yes. I bet you if I go back far enough, the first, let's say, Irish that came here, or the Europeans, the first, you know, second first or second generation didn't know either, but they figured it out. We as Hispanics, we figured it out. We'll figure it out eventually, right? Two generations, but we'll figure it out. But I think the education system has failed us. You know, it really has failed us. And then you've got this constant media, you know, these commercials, buy, buy, buy. Yes. You know, new car, new shoes, new this. It's, you know, so it's a constant battle of resisting temptation. But I don't think, I, I don't think it's cultural. I just think it's education. Education? So yes. would you say that... Um... By, by going to one of your classes or one of your seminars, it will help us get better habits or we should hire people like you or you obviously um, to learn more about what we're doing wrong with our money. The Well, the thing is, I, I don't do any like I did this for the show because, you know, okay. one of the things. That, yeah, they, they called me. That, I don't want I don't want to do this anymore. You know okay. what I mean? <laughs> Dealing with families is very difficult for me. Uh, and I came really from a sales background. Uh, and I, obviously I understand personal finances. So what I did is, I, again, I mentioned I created that home study course on lifeordebt.tv. Okay. Because I had people who after the show says, Victor, I need help. And I said, well, you know, we're not doing this show anymore. And, you know, 
my focus has always been on sales training. Okay. That's what that's what I do. That's that's my full time job. And so the show was one of these uh, these opportunities that came by to help people. And the reason I love that show because is because I really got to help people go into people's houses. And, and again, it trans. Not only did I transform them, they transformed me because I started seeing things differently. Nice. You know, with Jessica, it was like I started getting a different perspective. So I think you know one of the things we should do is you know look at the home study course, download it, go through it. And maybe begin to kind of stabilize your finances. You know okay, what I mean? Well, yes. Because I think here's where I believe it robs us. When, when you're in debt, Jessica, you just don't have an opportunity to do other things. And the thing is, when you're in debt, let's say, let's say you know, we're doing this 10x growth conference, right? In yes. Miami. Yes. 20 top speakers. Uh, the lowest ticket is $1,000, right? It, but it's worth it. Yeah, oh, that, oh, beyond a thousand bucks, actually. Yes, I think it's worth like twenty thousand dollars to go, go there. Some crazy number. I mean, it's 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 whatever value people put on it. But here's my point: is that if you're in debt, and all of a sudden because you ran up your credit card, you have for the seed, I'd go fifteen thousand dollars in debt, right? Yes. And this opportunity comes along, you're gonna go. I'm not gonna go because that's a thousand dollars, and I don't want to put another thousand dollars on my credit card because I really can't afford the monthly payments, right? Yes. And right there, at that very moment, in this simple example, debt has caused you to miss out on an opportunity. Because if you didn't have that debt, you would have acted differently. Do you know what I mean? You would have said, I'll spend the $9.95 to go get some education to learn how to get out of debt. Of course. The, the interesting thing is that that's the education they need. Okay. That's the education they need. But because they're so much in debt, they're not going to go. Do you see what I mean? How debt can rob us of opportunities. Yes. So yeah. it's better to ask a different question. How can I make $1,000 this week extra in order to pay for that conference? Yes. Oh, my God. You're, you're, you're perfect, Jessica. You're 100% <laughs> right. That's it. It's like, can that $1,000 make me more than $1,000? Yes. The answer to me would be obviously yes, it can. But you got to apply it. Remember, we said that knowledge is not power. The application of the knowledge is power. Right. So a lot of people need to apply what they learn. And I think that's one of the biggest, I think, setbacks of a lot of people. They know a lot. I know a lot of people who know a lot, Jessica. I know, yes. They don't, they don't act. Why? Why they don't act if they have they're, all the information? I know. I think they're scared. I think, you know, maybe they're scared. They don't know how. They're afraid to fail. Um, you know, I have a, uh, a documentary. I don't know if you saw it. It's called The Motivator. Uh, I don't uh, know. Okay, so The Motivator is a documentary. By the way, it's on YouTube for free. It's called The Motivator. So if you type in Victor Antonio, The Motivator. I'll watch uh, it tonight. Yes, and I actually went to speak at the Society, at the Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers. Okay. It's a Hispanic organization. And it followed me. It's 24 hours in the life of Victor Antonio, right? Nice. And, and in there, I tell the story about how I, you know, I was working in corporate America, uh, and I had a $250,000 a year job. That was my base salary. I had commissions on top of that, stock options. And one day I quit because I wanted to write books and become a speaker. Okay. And it was very scary to make that jump. And when I made that jump, I realized that, you know, being an entrepreneur, starting your own business is one of the hardest things you're going to do. But if you're listening to this podcast, here's what I would tell you. It's also one of the most rewarding things if you make it work. Okay. Because working for yourself, being your own boss, is one of the best feelings in the world. It, but you've got to be disciplined. You've got to be persistent. And 
you're going to fail. You're going to, you know, slam the wall a couple of times, but you just keep pushing through. And I think a lot of people just don't want to take the risk. And I think that's why they never start. And is there like an exercise for them to start learning more about like, just keep going and keep going, you know? I think, I think the best way, what, what motivated me indirectly was uh, years ago, I saw a gentleman by the name of Zig Ziglar. Okay. Don't know if you know. I don't know if you know who he is. Yes. Very well. Yeah. So I saw Zig Ziglar back in '95, uh, and when I saw Zig Ziglar, it was like you know that's what I want to do, right? Yes. And then I also found out that I don't know at that time he was making I don't know somewhere between fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, some crazy number like that per speech. Wow. And I was that's exactly what I said. Wow. <laughs> I said, wow. And I said wow. So there's a guy that's doing it. There is proof that you can make a living as a speaker. Yes. And because I knew the proof was there, and there were more speakers, obviously, I said, it's possible. I said, it's possible. I just have to figure out the code. Okay. You know, eh? You know, I just got to figure out the code. Yes. And so if you're listening to this and you're thinking of doing something, look for somebody who's already doing it. Okay. And is successful at it. And there's your proof that it does work. Now, your job is to learn from that person or study that person and figure out how to do it yourself. Okay. But, but that's the beautiful part. Once you see proof, you go, ah, it's possible. I can do it. And yes, then you yes. act on that. Perfect. And like that is possible. Like for me starting out or another people that are starting out of this um, person, uh, Julio Ferreira, had this question. How do you become a millionaire in one year? Oh, hell, I don't know. Uh, get lucky. Get lucky? Uh, really? <clears throat> Well, the thing is, I mean, okay, Jessica, I said, here's, here's what kills me about people. Okay. Uh, is that, and, I, and if I'm being too honest, it's the, I love Puerto, being honest. I it's love the Puerto Rican in me. You know what I mean? It's the yes. Puerto Rican in me. Here's what happens. Everybody tells you you can make a million dollars in a year. You know, buy my program, you'll be a millionaire in a year. Okay. You know, if that was true, there'd be millionaires walking all over the place. Okay. The reality is, it's rare to turn the switch on and become a millionaire. Okay. It's rare. And so, you know... Can that program put you on the path to becoming a millionaire? Yes. Big yes. Okay. But the thing is, you and I could have the same, let's say, program in our hands. You and I have the same programs. But because we do things differently, you may get there faster than me. Okay. You know, but if somebody says, you know, I'm broke right now. I only make $30,000 a year. Victor, how do I make a million dollars a year? I'm, my first reaction, if I can be so blunt, is first, you're broke. Okay. So why don't we get past broke? Why don't we just try to shoot for fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars next year? Okay. That to me is reasonable, right? Okay. Yes. And then yes. after you hit that, well, you know what? Let's hit over a hundred thousand. Let's go for six figures. Oh, I love that. And if you get there faster, que Dios te bendiga. Claro. Now, now you're like, okay, we got to one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Maybe we can go for three to four hundred, five hundred thousand. Boom. How do we do that? Let's leverage the money we have, invest it wisely, and go for it. And so it'll take you three, five, ten years. I'm gonna say, who knows? Okay. Everything okay. is but but I think people have to be careful when somebody says I can make you a millionaire. Okay, you know, okay. in a year. I mean, first of all, I think it's BS. You know, por decirlo así mierda. You know sí, what I mean? Sí. It's like, come on. You know <laughs> what I mean? And the, the thing is. Yes, yes, that's too blunt, too honest. Oh, I love, I love honesty. That's, that's, that's why I love your death. show. <laughs> By the way, that's the life or death side that comes out of me. Because I'm like, you're full of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Okay. And the, the reason I want people to know this is because, mira lo que pasa. I buy a program. 
the guy tells me or the girl tells me that I can make a million dollars in a year. I implement everything in the program and it doesn't work out. And then what, how do I feel at the end of that year? Horrible. I feel horrible. I go, what's wrong with me? You know, why couldn't I do it? You know, that guy did it. Why couldn't I do it? I'm such an idiot. I'm horrible at business. I don't ever want to do this again. Right. And they quit. Yeah. Yeah, and they quit. Wow. But the reality is uh-huh. that many of these people who said they made a million dollars in a year got lucky. That's it. And you can't duplicate luck. Wow. You cannot duplicate it. But now what happened is that person feels bad. They don't want to do anything else. And they're done. Wow. Now, what if I told you, I said, what, what they're hearing now? No. Sometimes it'll take three, five, ten, maybe more. See, the thing is, the first step is to get your finances stabilized, right? Yes. In other words... Know your numbers, get stable. Now that my numbers are stable, where can we begin investing to do the things I want to do and do something I love to do, right? Yes. And if I can make you know money doing things I love to do, great. Because it isn't about being to me being a millionaire is a number. Okay. I'm not. By the way, would I love to have millions? Yes. But here's the key part: Are you happy doing what you're doing? I would rather be the guy who loves what they're doing. And is making, let's say, a hundred thousand dollars, than the guy who hates what he's doing, and is making five million. Wow. Now it's not that I don't want to make five million. So I want you to understand. I'm not, I'm not sitting there going, I don't want to make five. I do, I do. But if it's not me, I don't want to do that because I love doing this. Then that's what I'm going to do because I enjoy it. And I truly believe that if you find that that something in you, that purpose, that passion, like me, I love speaking. I, I love the sales process. I love training people on how to make more money selling. I love working with small companies to teach them how to sell better and make more money. I mean, I love it. I mean, I, I, you know what I mean? I wake up in the morning thinking sales. I go to bed thinking sales. Nice. It's, it's not work for me. It's, it's like this, this passion. I love it. You know, and what happened is because people feel that passion, and I, here's the key part, I demonstrate value. By demonstrate value is I'm going to show you step by step, Mr. CEO, how you're going to do it, how your sales team is going to make more money. And when I show them and it works for them, guess what they want to do? Pay me more. Nice. And what do I do? I charge more. And then I charge more. They pay me more. And what do I do again? I start charge even more. Do you see what I mean? And it begins to build like that. But now I'm in a position. I can honestly say this to you, Jessica. I'm in a position where I love what I'm doing, and every year I want to make more money. Awesome. But because it's what I love what I'm doing. So it's not about let's just make a million. Yes. You got to find what you love to do and then ask yourself, okay, now that I've found what I love to do, how can I make a living first? Okay. And then that means stabilize your finances. Then when you stabilize your finances, okay, now how can I make my first half million? And then how can I make my next half million to get to a million? And I think that's a more realistic approach. So basically, like when you started like learning how to walk and then learn how to um, run like little by little. That's it. That's it. I think we complicate things. Too many times you hear people talk about, you know, I invested this and I made this much money. Right? Yes. It's, and so what they told you is that's what they did, what happened to them. You know, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen for you. It's like you ever notice when you go to, you know, nobody ever loses money at Vegas. You ever notice that? Nobody ever loses money in Vegas. Uh-huh. Everybody always comes back telling me how much they won. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If everybody's winning in Vegas, how does Vegas stay in business? Uh-huh. Because they don't tell you about the losses. Okay. 
That's the problem. And a lot of people do that. So, you know, if you're going to buy a millionaire program, what typically happens is somebody did something. It was very unique. They found a market. The market responded. You know, they hit the right time, the right place with the right product or service. And boom, the market took off. And so they made their million. Okay. Now they're trying to sell you the blueprint. Hey, here's how I did it. You could do it too. Well, a lot of things have to come into play. You got to get lucky. You got to have the right product. You have the right service. Hit it at the right time. Meet the right people. Make the right connections. All these variables you can't put in a business plan. Okay. And so when somebody promises you a blueprint for, for a million, no, they can give you a guide. They can't give you the blueprint. That's the big difference. Wow. Love it. Love it. <laughs> it yeah. It's like a deep, deep um, definition. Yeah, but but I think it's real though. You you know what I mean? Just yes, yes. To, I've never thought about it that way. So everything is sinking in. Like yeah, that's it's so it's, true. It's a process. I people don't understand. Success is a process. You know, you know, it's like addicto al éxito, right? Addicted yes. to success. Okay, well, let's be addicted to success. What does that mean? I mean, I need to study everything. I need to like, you know, that's my drug of choice, right? Success yes. is my drug of choice. Yes. Which means that I'm going to study successful people, but I don't want to study everybody. Again, if I know what I want to do, if today I wanted to start a clothing company, right? Yes. If today in my heart I start a clothing company, I'll tell you what's going to happen. If today I make that decision, maybe in a year from now, I'll probably have spent a lot of money and screwed up a lot of things and lost a lot of money, right? Yes. But, I, but if I'm on purpose, I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. But I'll tell you this, but by the second or third year, I stabilize the ship. You don't get the finance. We've got enough business coming in. You know, we're paying the bills where we can turn on the lights every day. And then maybe after four, by the fourth or fifth year, now we're making some good money, right? And now I start looking for bigger deals and bigger deals. And maybe in five to 10 years, maybe five to seven years, I kill it. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And that's what I think people need to get in their heads so they don't get disappointed when it doesn't happen. I see right away. Awesome. I really, really love your, uh, your, definition like is still sinking in me like because normally people tell me like oh in one year you're gonna do this and another year you're gonna do this so your answer is perfect yeah i think it's i think it's i think it's bs you know what i mean <laughs> yes the, the thing is there's too many variables yes you know what i mean you can like i said we can start out with the same resources but we're gonna have and we both just like i said you and i were standing here right now talking right yes you there here somebody gives you let's say $10,000, they give me $10,000, right? Yes. And it says, go buy this millionaire program. We're going to go buy the millionaire program. We're going to execute differently. Okay. And some of us are going to get, you're going to get an opportunity or maybe I'll get an opportunity. You're going to get a break. Maybe I'll get the break. I'm going to get screwed. You're going to get screwed. Many things can happen that's unpredictable. And so I really want people to understand that success is a process. Okay. That you're going to go after something and you're going to fail. I mean, what people don't see, Jessica... Uh, when they look at me, you know, me ven en la tarima, you know, they're like, look at this guy, he's great, look at him talk, he's, you know, he's got, he's got books, he's got this, this guy travels international, he's got it made, yes. right? And, it, and that is the picture, that's exactly what you see. What they don't see is the last, I'll say, seven, eight, nine, ten years, let me see, I started in 2003, Okay. And but I committed to sales in 2008, so almost ten years, I started okay. doing sales. So, so 10 years? 10, wow. 10 years. You've done a lot in 10 years. Yeah. And so so it's taken me this long to get here. Okay. And what people don't see is the time I went to an event, did the event, and the guy didn't pay me. Uh, the time where uh, 
you know, I designed something that didn't work. I spent $5,000 designing something I think would have worked to help me grow my business. Didn't work. The time I did a, a, a mail out that cost me over $5,000, got zero response, just blew $5,000. You know, I got stories on and on and all the stuff that just went wrong. Okay. Right. And, but then again, it's the law of averages. Many things started going right after a while. I started figuring it out. You know, okay. you know, you just go one way, you bump, you're like, okay, that's not good. Let's let's learn from that. And then boom, oh, that's not good. Let's learn from that. And then little by little, you begin to figure it out. And that to me is the process of success. Anybody who says success is a straight line is a liar. Oh my God. Just a, just a pure liar. <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, no, nobody says, look, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna invent a product, take it to market, and it's gonna be a hit. No, I mean. Some people are even shocked that their products are a hit. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> and so, but, but but I think if we all had this more realistic expectation, I think there would be more entrepreneurs. Why? Because I believe when people know to expect failure, and this is the key part, when people know to expect failure, when it does happen, they're not destroyed by it. Okay. If I know, if I tell you, I said, okay, Jessica, I want you to walk down that street I said, now there's going to be a big hole there, right? So you're going to have to jump over that hole, okay. right? And as you walk further down, you know, there's this tree. It might fall on you, might not, you might want to look out for it, right? Yes. Now, when you get, when you walk down the street and you see the hole, you're not shocked. Victor said there was going to be a hole here and I should look out for it, okay. right? Yes. And then he says, okay, when I walk down this way, there's going to be a tree. Aha, there's the one he was talking about. And success is like that. When you got a good coach, a good mentor, that's what they're going to tell you. I said, look, you're going to try this. You're going to go to this event. You're going to try to talk to people and they're going to reject you. Okay. In fact, they're going to ignore you. Yes. And then, and by the way, psychologists call this the inoculation theory. Like, you know how you get an inoculation? Yes. You know, like if you have something, when you inoculate somebody, you make them impervious to whatever disease you have. So you don't get it. When you do that to people, you said, look, this is what's going to happen. You're going to bump into this wall. You're going to fall into that hole. You're just going to climb right back up. Make sure you go past that tree, get around it, don't let it fall on you. When people know what's coming, because that's the path of success, when they come against that, that resistance, that rejection, what do they say? Well, Victor said that was going to happen. So yeah, okay, great. There it is. He said it was going to happen. So there it is. But when you read these like success manuals or whatever, these programs, right? Yes. They never talk about that. No. They never talk about what's going to go wrong. They never say, hey. You're, it's not going to work every time. You're going to have to try at least five to 10 times, maybe, maybe 20, just to get somebody to pay attention to you. Yes. Now, if you told me that, if I went up to you, you said no, I go up to the second person, they said no. In my head, I'm thinking, huh, that's what Victor said was going to happen. But if nobody tells me that, the first sign of rejection, I go, it must be me. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not cut out to be a business person. And that's where we destroy ourselves psychologically because we thought it should have been perfect because that's what this expert said it was the expert said it was going to be perfect but it's a lie it's a big lie success is messy very messy to get there but it just requires adjusting as you go along and those are the people that succeed so basically like sports practice 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 until you get it right yeah, practice. Yeah, uh, I wish. It, by the way, I wish it was like sports. You know, because the sports, you know, if you got if you're practicing baseball, you, you you have the pitches come to you, right? Yes. And so you do practice, you practice, you practice, but then you go into a real game, and the guy doesn't pitch like the machine, right? Yes. <laughs> he throws your curveball, and so I think it's it's. By the way, you have to practice your craft. Okay. I think that is a hundred percent correct. 
You have to practice your craft. Now, when you take your craft to the market, you have to anticipate that it's there are going to be some changes. It's not going to be the way you expect. Okay. And I think that therein lies, you know, part of the combination of expecting something not to go well. And I'm not saying that you're negative, expecting failure. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying be ready for it because it typically does happen that things don't turn out right. I've gotten to the point now, Jessica, when things go wrong. Like today we had like two setbacks today, two setbacks today. And my daughter who works for me, you know, is like, you know, like, damn, you know, like she's got this long face. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, sweetie, this happens. It's not a big deal. Uh We'll, We'll figure it out. And she kind of looks at me like, okay, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> I'm like, I've been there so many times, I told. I said, I can't tell you how many times I've been screwed. Things didn't work out. People left me behind. Didn't do this for me. You know, they fell below my expectation. People promised me things. They didn't come through. Blah, 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 blah. I've gotten to the point where it even doesn't, I don't even get disappointed anymore. You just keep going. I just keep going. I go, okay, well, you disappointed me. That's too bad. Okay, next. Nice. You know what I mean? I just yes. don't take it personal anymore. And, it's, and I think that's the mindset. Of just a person who's just going to keep going. Love, love your answer. Um, I saw one of your videos that you were giving advice about um, tax season. And right now we're basically in tax season. Do you have any tips for tax season for business uh, owners? or? You know, I think, uh, you know, I hate taxes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I wish they would go to a flat tax. You know what I mean? I think that would be so much easier. I think if they went to a flat tax, everybody pays, I don't know, 25%. No tax write-off, no corporate loopholes. Everybody pays 25% no matter how much you make, right? Yes. Uh, but when it comes to tax season, I mean, the thing is, if you don't know anything about taxes and you've got a lot of write-offs and you think you can write off a lot of stuff, you know, really look for write-offs. Uh, you know, we use, I believe, Quicken, uh, you know, the business uh, software. And, you know, we just go through that stuff and we try to find write-offs. I mean, one of the things that most people don't think about is that if they started their own home-based business, you know, for example, I'm in this office right now, and because I have a home-based business, I can write off the space in the house that I use and the percentage of electricity, water, like I say, that I use for the house. I can write off a percentage of my cell phone bill because of that, right? Yes. And yes. so I think people need to look, consider that, that maybe they want to start a business because, you know, there's some potential write-offs. So that's the other, that's the other th- great thing about this country is that, you know how easy it is to start a business in the U.S.? My God, I mean, there's other countries where you have to go through this whole licensing process just to start a business. You know, here, if you want to be a personal entrepreneur, start your own business. It's easy to do. Uh, but to answer your tax question, I mean, find write-offs. I mean, that's the easiest one. Okay. You, know, you know, go to a tax preparer. But I think the more you educate yourself on what you can write off, because sometimes it's amazing what you can write off, you know. Uh, we were going through our taxes and we found some newer write-offs, you know, with the healthcare plans that we now have, we could write a percentage of that off. And so it's so complex, Jessica, you know, when you, when you look at the tax code system, Uh it's so complex. Um, one of the things I strongly recommend that if you're listening to this and you're thinking of becoming an entrepreneur, starting your own business, keep in mind that that's one good way to create some write-offs. It is, it is. Yep. I've been learning a lot about taxes. <clears throat> now I'm doing it by myself, no? So I'm learning a lot and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I can do this, I can do that. So it's like really interesting learning about all these subjects. Yes. Yeah, when you go through it, you're like, oh, I didn't know I could write off that. Really? Oh, I can take a percentage of that. Yes. You can take, oh, I can claim that. Yes. Well, that works out. And there's so many, and every year the tax code is changing. 
You know what I mean? From last year to this year, I mean, already major changes. So, you know, I always tell people, you know, if you can't do it yourself, find somebody you trust and work with them. Okay, awesome. And uh, what have you learned as a leader to help you grow your company? What have I learned as a leader? Uh, I think the I think resilience. What I mentioned resilience. before is that when yeah, when things happen, you just kind of go, Ugh. you know, you can you feel sorry for yourself for like a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. You walk around going, coño, por qué, <laughs> hey, coño, you know, por qué, you know, and that whole thing. And then you go, okay, now, okay, we're back. You know what I mean? It's okay. like, okay, let's do, let's go back again. So I think resilience is a big one. I think you know when you when you lead other people, I think, you know, you just have to exercise this level of patience okay, that I, okay. I, I think comes with time. At least for me, it has, you know, we Hispanics, you know, we're hotheaded, you know oh, what I yes. mean? We fly off the handle, right? <laughs> yes. and, and, you know, and so what I've learned is that just to think a little longer, you know, between stimulus and response, I should wait. If there's something, you know, before reacting to something, I should try to give it a minute or two. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm a work in progress. I'm always trying to get better. I think of that. I think so. Resilience is one. I think being patient is the second big one. And I don't know. I think the third thing is really, I think when you enjoy what you're doing and you love what you're doing, you know more about what you're doing. You love to read because I love to read. Yes. yes. Um, and when you know what you're doing, you know what you're talking about, people follow you. You know what I mean? Because yes, you become yes. a credible source of information. And so I think a great leader also has to have a great database of information, okay. knowledge. Be very, if you're running a business, then know a lot about the business, everything around the business, so that when people come to you for answers, you have those answers. And it's okay to say you don't know, but at least try to educate yourself and always stay you know, on the front lines of education. Because I do a lot of sales training, I, I try to read as many sales books as I can when they come out, the new ones. Yes. And so... You know, one of my secrets to reading a lot of books is the following. A lot of people buy a book and they'll read about 20, 30 pages and they kind of go, I don't know if I like this book. And they put it to the side. Then they'll read another 10 pages and they go, I still don't know if I like this book. And because they don't really like the book, they never buy another book, right? They still uh -huh. have that same book on the shelf, right? Yes. And they go, oh, well, when I finish reading that one, I'll buy another book, right? But I, I, many years ago, I changed my logic on this. I have the 100-page rule, the 100-page rule. And that is, I will read a book, and if the one, first 100 pages are not good, they're not. I'm not feeling it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. I, I I donate it. I give it to Goodwill. Nice. And I and I go buy another book. You know what I mean? Because that, that, uh -huh. it's, it's dumb. Think about it. If, if you're stop, you, people stop reading sometimes because they bought that one book, they didn't finish it, and they feel, well, I didn't finish the one book, so why buy another one? Yes. Right. Yeah. I like to explain it this way. Well, the reason you didn't finish it was because that book was not for you. It okay. didn't have the information you wanted at this time. Because right now, even for you, Jessica, just like me, right now, we're in a position where we need certain information. Yes. We're looking to learn about certain things. And if the book doesn't line up with that, we're not interested. And so what I've learned is that if the book doesn't line up with what I was looking for, I bought the book, I thought it was going to be about this. It's not. Well, guess what? Uh, goodwill. And I just literally give it away to Goodwill. I love your strategy. It's library, by the way, because I give my books away. I only keep on my shelf. Uh-huh. You, you ever see these speakers? If I can, this is a small joke, you'll get this. You ever see speakers who, you know, they always like do these video conferences and they have like millions of books behind them? Oh, yes. I've seen those. You know, right? you're like, and, 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 and they're like, oh, my God, you're like so impressed. I'm like totally opposite of that. I have the smallest bookshelf. Here's why. Unless the book is exceptional it doesn't last on my bookshelf okay 
I can go to my bookshelf right now. I'm telling you right now, I got the best of the best books on my shelf. Uh-huh. So I, I don't go for quantity. I go for quality. quality. Nice. And, and, and so I get rid of books all the time. I, every At the end of every year, literally, I take a mountain of books over to Goodwill. And I purge my books every year. Totally different mindset. Because I believe in streamlining my knowledge. But I can go to my shelf and I can find the information I want right away. So my encouragement to those who don't read is buy the book. If after the first hundred pages you're not convinced, get rid of the book, go buy another one. But don't stop reading. Don't stop reading. That is so smart uh, because normally I like to finish things. So when I don't like a book, I still am like, okay, I force myself to finish the book. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I love yours that you're, okay, by the hundred page, I don't like it, I'll just donate it. Hey, come on, you know, when we're kids, comete la comida. Sí. Comete la todo. Toda. And you're like, and so you feel like you have to do that with your book, right? Yes. And, and so you get this guilty feeling like, but I, I have to finish it. I bought it. Yes. No, you don't. No, I you love don't. it. <laughs> get rid of the book. It's yes. just, it's, because every time you look at it, you're reminded of it. Yes. And you're disgusted that you haven't finished it, right? So you feel bad. Yes. And yes. because you feel bad, you associate that bad feeling with that book. And every time you look at that book, you get a bad feeling. <laughs> so you will never read the book. That's get so rid smart. Of the book. It's okay not to finish your food. Okay. <laughs> It's okay. Está bien. Está bien. Que Dios te bendiga. Está bien. <laughs> Muchas gracias. And uh, what is the best advice you have received from one of your mentors? Uh, just keep asking till someone says yes. Keep asking? Awesome. Uh, yeah, he said, uh, uh, el, el, el señor se llamaba José Santana. José Santana era de la, era de la, de la, ¿cómo se dice? La, la Isla Canarias. Uh -huh. España, ¿no? Sí. Y el tipo hablaba con una voz muy, muy profunda, muy, you know, very basic, como Ricardo Monteblanc, bien, bien, así, bien. Como si bien sofisticado, bien, tú sabes. Uh -huh. Siempre hablaba y siempre decía Víctor. Y un día le pregunté a José, you know, how do you become successful? And he said, very simple. En inglés me lo dijo, very simple, con su, su acento, ¿no? Me dijo, very simple, Víctor. You have to keep asking to someone says yes. Just keep asking to someone says yes. Me lo dijo así. Me like lo dijo así. sales. In sales, he says, just keep asking to someone says yes. That's how you become successful, Victor. I was like, that's great. That's great advice. So I keep asking till someone says yes. You know, it's like I always tell guys, you know, I joke about this. I said, look, if you don't have a girlfriend, I said, look, just go to a nightclub or something and just keep asking till someone says yes. Because someone always says yes. Well, yeah, you know? nightclub. Yeah. you know, una fiesta, una quinceañera, I don't know. Pero... You know, algo así, pero I, I think that's one of the best pieces of advice I received. I think the other one was like, learn to slow down. Okay. Was the other one. Slow you know, down. it's okay to slow down. By slow down, meaning, you know, think a little bit. Don't okay. be rushed into making a decision. Breathe. It's okay. You don't have to go that fast. You know what I mean? Stuff yes. like that. Say, you don't have to make a decision right now, you know, but, but I think that, you know, there's so many little pieces of wisdoms I picked up wisdom I picked up, I think one was always, a, there is no such thing as a wrong decision. You just have to make it work. Okay. So if you decide to do something, like you want to become a speaker, trainer, look at sale, you know, it, it was a good decision because you felt it in your heart. Yes. Now you just have to make it work. Okay. Figure and I've always out. loved that. It's not, yeah, it's a, yeah. Don't depend on luck. Just make it work. Figure okay. it out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And we all have different uh, definition of success. Uh, what is your definition of success? I think peace of mind. Peace you of know mind. what I mean? Okay. Yeah, peace of mind. Not tranquilidad. You know, it's if if you can do what you like, it's almost like if you can do what you like, Jessica, right? Yes. If you can make money 
doing what you like and you live a good life, you know, good, per healthy, personal life. Like I've been married now 28 years. Wow, congrats. Thank you. Been with my wife now 30 years together. And she's like my best friend. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I, I love being around my wife. I, I even follow her to the grocery stores. You know what I mean? Because I like To be being honest, around. I haven't heard that in a while. So props uh -huh. to you. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, I love that. Because you know, sometimes she goes, I'm going to the grocery store. I said, can I go with you? She goes, what? I, said, no, 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 I just want to hang out with you. Uh -huh. You know, 30, 30 years later, right? <laughs> so, so how do you I keep think, it alive? I don't know. You got to talk to her. She's probably... <laughs> <laughs> But I think if you love what you do, you uh -huh. can make money loving what you do, and then you love your personal life and you have a best friend. I think that that combination right there, mm -hmm. those three things, I think so on the personal life, your personal life is good. Your professional life is good and you're financially stable. Okay. You know what I mean? I yes. think those three things, if you can blend them together, uh, and, and I think the it, the one piece of advice I guess I would give like married couples if they're struggling right now is that, you know, stop trying to be right. Okay. You know, uh, you know, I mean, I, me and my wife probably argue maybe I don't know, twice a year. We don't have that many our, our arguments like are probably like this, Jessica. No, I'm not doing that. You do it. And I walk away. That's our argument. Right? She's a Latina also? What's that? She's a Latina also? No, no, no. She's from Minnesota. Wow. She's, she's German Norwegian, pero que mezcla. You know what I mean? Una combinación yes. tremenda. Uh, Alemana y puertorriqueño. Wow. Me y, encanta. Yeah, so the last name is Schmid. Uh -huh. And, uh, pero you know, I'm very, muy activo, you know, I'm like, yes, ah. you look I'm, active. Right. And my wife is like steady. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Pero steady. She's like, ah, like como nada. You know what I mean? I could be like, no, no, we're going to do this. She goes, well, you need to think about it. <laughs> said, yeah, but look, this is the way it's doing. Yeah, I, I understand. But you really need to consider this. And I'm like, ah. You know, and I like, you know, I'm like, ah. And I, <laughs> Early on, I used to just walk away. You know, esta tipa no sabe lo que está, you know, está confundida, está confundida. Sí. And then I come back and I go, yeah, you were right. <laughs> so you so, would say you know, that I, um, you I, have I th to find a, a person that's the opposite from you? Maybe. I, you know, I, I think, by the way, we talk a lot all the time. Even okay. today, I mean, literally almost every morning. I'm not, and I'm not making this up. Almost every morning. Okay. Like, I'll be in my office here, my home office here. She'll, she always comes in, has a cup of coffee with me. And we just chat for a good half hour or something every morning. Nice. And so we just have casual conversation. And I think we learn not to be like, you know, we try not to be stay mad at each other because we both know that we can be stupid. Do you know what I mean? You know, yes. sometimes you don't, you know, you do something and you knew you, you, you were wrong, but your ego doesn't let you admit that you were wrong. Yes. And I think the, the, best, the best couples have realized, just say like if it was you and I, Jessica, I said, Jessica, look, okay, that, that was a boneheaded move. And you're going to say, I know, it happens to all of us, right? And so and my wife comes from that space. She's like, I get it. Sometimes you're just not in the mood to talk. Sometimes you just need your space. I got that. And then, then it, But it, it's like, it ends right there. You know, it doesn't like, you know, sometimes you want to stay mad for two or three days. Yes. <laughs> and, it, you know, and, it, and it makes no sense, right? It makes no sense. And I think we've gotten to the point where if we're mad at each other, again, which is not often, but we just like forgive each other quickly. Because maybe you were in a bad mood, you you know things happen to you during the day, and you know when I said something, you yelled at me for no reason, right? Yes. Well, then I can be mad at you, but I go, eh, she's having a bad day. <laughs> I kind of look at, oh, bad day. I think I'll go to my corner in my office and uh -huh. just stay there till, till she, and then she'll come over. 
later on. And then she'll go, start talking to me like anything. And it's like you understand after a while. You know what I mean? That is awesome. But yeah, I think if you can find, I mean, if you can find, I mean, I, I've just been blessed. I mean, if you can find the best friend that you can hang out with all the time. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I, like I said, I, I'm not joking when I say I literally like hanging out with my wife. And yeah. it's really rare because I really feel it in your voice. Like, it's really yep. rare when I hear somebody say, say that. Like, I haven't heard someone say that about their wife or their partner in so long. Oh, wow. That's a shame. That's so, a shame. No, uh, uh, really props to you. Thank you. But thank maybe I'm just hanging out with the wrong people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Could be, you know, it's, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 think I, I, I think I've learned more from my wife than anybody else, I think, you know, ever. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? About, yes. you know, it's... I hate, you know, it's, you hate the minute as a guy, but it's like, just, we have, sometimes guys are just screwed up. You know, we, it's, it's too much testosterone going to the head. We always want to be right and machismo the whole bit. Yes. And I, I think my wife is, you know, you know, I'm sure I taught her a couple of things, but I think she's taught me more about just, you know, being more calm, relaxed, you know, uh, and everything else, just a bunch of things hard to describe, but it's just a bunch of little things. Uh, she even controls my diet, by the way. Nice. You know, yeah, she controls the food in the house. <laughs> she makes me go to the doctor. She makes me go to the dentist. You know what I mean? Wow. You know, and again, it's interesting because her culture, she came from that culture. Mira interesante. She came from that culture and I did not. You know, going to the dentist regularly just to clean your teeth clean every six months, right? Uh-huh. Getting a physical checkup every year. I mean, we Latinos aren't taught that, right? Hispanics no, aren't no. taught that. No, we're not. And so what's happened is, well, here's the interesting thing. So I've learned that from her. At first, I fought it, right? Early yes. on. You know, I'm not going to, you know, why do I need that? And now it's like part of the routine. Well, what's interesting is our kids who are, you know, half German, Norwegian, you know, and half, you know, Puerto Rican, you know, they now have those habits, la costumbre, sí, of sí. going in. Do you see what I mean about it? It just evolves because my wife transferred the knowledge to me. We transferred it to our kids, because of her culture. And that's why uh, another example of why mixing cultures is a good thing sometimes, you know, I mean, it is. We learn from each other, but, uh, but you know, it's funny because my wife's very quiet, but then she says, I like hanging out with you. She tells me uh-huh. is because when we go to a party, it's like, you know how to have fun at a party. Uh-huh. And she's not like that. It being with reservada, you know? Sí, and sí. so there, that's what I'm saying. We have a very interesting mix. It's uh, but it works. That's awesome. And congrats. That's yeah, awesome. Yep. 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 <laughs> And what books are you reading right now and which one is inspiring you? Books I'm reading. Let me see. I've read, uh, there was a book that I found. Yeah, it's hard to find. It's a business book. I don't know if you're going to like it. Uh, I love, I love it's business called, books. Well, this one, I was, I, was, I was coming back. I was doing an event. Uh, where was I at? I think it was in the Middle East or something. Uh-huh. But anyway, I was coming back. I stopped in Frankfurt, Germany. And I found this book. It's called, and I'm holding it right now. Let me see. It's called The Decision Book. Okay. And it's a business book. It's called The Decision Book. 50 Models for Strategic Thinking by, oh, these are names I can't, Michael Krogress and Roman Schapler. And it's called The Decision Book. It's a black cover, 50 Models for Strategic Thinking. And I really love this book because it gives you 50 models for thinking about business uh, with using 50 different models. Like, you know, one in there is, you're familiar with SWOT analysis, right? Yes. Strengths, weakness, opportunities. That's one of the models in there, but they have some other ones I've never heard of. And so I find that book interesting. Uh, favorite books, I think, you know, one of the books, uh, since we're talking about Adicto al Exito, uh, is I think you should read, and I would recommend it to your readers, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outlier. Outlier, Have you read that? Have you read that book? 
to be a hundred percent honest, I, I read it uh, like three years ago, uh, but it was like the first pages and I was just going to sleep. So it was one of the few books that I didn't finish it mm-hmm. for some reason, but I'll start it again. Let me tell you, let me tell you why outlier is. So I'm going to give you the motivation to want to read it because okay. your, your topic of, of success is perfect because what I remember we talked about how that person wanted to be a millionaire in, a, in one year or whatever. Yes. Well, 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 Malcolm Gladwell in the book outlier talks about that very thing mm-hmm. about how certain people hit it at the right time, right place, right moment. And that's why they took off. And okay. then, he, then he explains why it's not duplicatable. It's a really powerful book. And I think if you go through it now with a different mindset, yes, that it really seeks to understand why people are successful. It explains why Bill Gates became Bill Gates and how it could never be duplicated. You know, because of the situation, you know, there were only like four, you know, operating systems in the U.S. Mm-hmm. He happened to have access to one where he learned how to program and code. And because he learned how to program and code, he was able to get to the next level faster. And because he could get to the next level, he was able to design programs, you know, DOS systems and all that, you know. And it explains that if if he didn't live nearby, and by the way, he lived in an affluent neighborhood. Okay. And because he lived in an affluent neighborhood and there was a company, they had a computer that they let him use. So he can learn how to program for free because back then you had to pay a lot of money per hour. But he got to use it for free. Now think about that. In in the book Outlier, and I guess I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said – if his family wasn't affluent, if they weren't in that neighborhood, if that company didn't exist, or if that company existed but charged him money, he may never have learned how to program because it was too expensive to learn how to program. But because all those things line up, Bill Gates is, is – there is the beginning of Bill Gates, right? Yes. And so I can't duplicate that because you see how there were so many variables involved? Yes. That's what outlier is about. He's looking for the outlier effect. Okay. What was the outlier effect that made you successful? And it's a totally different perspective. I mean, you know, fight through the book if you have to, uh-huh. but, but there's gold in that book. It was what just three years ago. So right now I have a different mindset from three years ago. Yep. So I know I'll, I'll read it. I've, I've had that happen to me where I go back to a book and uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I'm ready to read this now. Yes. Because remember, it's you right now you need certain information, right? Of For example, course, yes. you have to show... You want to talk about success. Yes. But maybe three years ago, I don't know if you had the show, but let's say you didn't have the show. Maybe you were thinking about it, but you weren't lined up. That wasn't your passion and purpose at the time. Yes. But, but now that it is, the book is perfect. So I think you should, I, you should read it. I think, I think, tell me what you think about it after you read it, by the way. I will read it today. Like um, I have it in my, um, in my living room. So I'll yeah. get it and start reading it as to, uh, tonight. <laughs> yeah. Thank You're going to have you. a lot of aha moments when you really go through it. It's like, wow. It talks about how the Beatles became successful. Wow. And why you can't duplicate that either, what they did. That's so interesting. You know, uh-huh. yeah. And it talks about sports figures, how they became successful and how different variables allowed them to be successful. And again, variables that cannot be duplicated. Wow. You know, that's why a lot of people who start a business, I think Steve Jobs is a rare one. Yes. You know, that they, 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 they launch a business and then what happens is they go try to launch another one and it doesn't work. Yes. And so wait a minute, but I thought you had the formula. No, you had the right, you had a great product, a great service, and you hit the market at the right time. And then when they tried to repeat it again, the failure rate has got to be greater than 90, 95%. That is Why? so true. Like I never thought about it that way. Yeah. 
because the variables are different. Uh-huh. And see, see, but when you when you kind of think this way, you realize that nobody can offer you a blueprint. They can give you a guide, but nobody has the blueprint. Like uh-huh. do these ten steps, and you'll hit your million. It doesn't work that way. You know, the, the the biggest example I always give people is I say take two thousand seven to two thousand nine. You know, the, the, when the recession hit, right? Yes. Everybody set up to that point, invest in real estate. Because real estate always goes up. It's anti-gravity. Always yes. goes up. And then it went down. You know what I mean? And again, yes. the variables changed. And so that's a simple example. But I mean, the book is is loaded with examples of how different variables made that person successful. Like if Oprah Winfrey were to start today, and let's say she was 20 when she first started, right? Yes. She wouldn't be Oprah Winfrey. There's too much competition. It is. There is. Yeah. If Zig Ziglar were to start today, I don't think he'd have the success that he had in the past because the variables have changed. The environment has changed. Everything has changed. New media, social media, everything has changed. So duplicating success is very difficult. So imagine now giving that blueprint to somebody else and say, hey, do what I did. It's not possible. It's not that easy. Uh You have to make the adjustments. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. And what are the goals that you want to accomplish this year? How do you want to accomplish? Well, I have a small goal. Uh, I'm trying to travel less if I can uh, share my personal goals. Okay. And so one of the things I'm starting to do now is do local workshops. I have a new workshop called the Sales Mastery Intensive. So if you go go to salesmasteryintensive.com, you'll see the information. So we've done two workshops. And my job is to perfect the, the workshop model here in Atlanta. So where every month I'm doing a workshop, right? Yes. And so uh, the challenges I'm facing, just to let you know I face challenges also, is marketing the workshop okay. and getting to the right people. And so putting a system in place, a process in place that works consistently is the challenge right now. Okay. And so I, I think, well, and my, but my goal is to have it solved by the end of the year. Again, como un rompecabeza, sí. I go, let me figure it out. De aquí al fin del año... I'm going to have this figured out. Of course. And so that's my singular goal. Uh, I have a book coming out. I haven't titled it yet, but it's a sales book. And so we've, I finished writing it. Uh, the editing's done. Uh, we're going to add some illustrations. So hopefully by March or April, it'll be published. And so I'm really excited about that book. And so, yeah, if I can get those two things done, get the book done, get the workshops done, you know, the way I want them, I think that would be a good year for me. You will make it happen. And also yeah. you're talking on um, with Grant Cardone in March, yes. right? Yes, I am. I'm on, on stage with Grant Cardone. Let me see. You got Damon John from Shark Tank. Uh, who else is going to be there? Uh, Les John Brown. A- yeah, Les Brown, who I've met before. So it'll be uh, uh, good to see him again. And so I feel very blessed to be on the stage with, you know, 20 great speakers. 20 plus great speakers. It's like, wow. You know what I mean? Because it, it he said, Boricua from the hood made it. You know what I mean? Claro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, me siento muy orgulloso muchas veces. And I have a lot of people who send me emails, you know. It's nice to see a Boricua, you know, un Latino up claro. there. I'm so proud. When I saw I saw you at the interview with Grant, I'm like, oh my God, I have to get in touch because you're Latin. Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, thank God, like a Latin would be in that stage. Puerto yeah, Pequeño. so that's nice. Now, did you interview Grant? Yeah, you should interview him. I was at his Whatever It Takes reality show. Right. <laughs> so okay. um, uh, I want to get to his level. But basically, uh, this podcast is about um, Latin people. Like, I want to help uh, Latin people. But sure. one day in the future, when I'm mean, at his level, I'm going to interview him. There you go. Yeah, you'd be amazed. I mean, I think he'd grant you an interview. 
Yes, I of course. He... I I love him. He's really um, presentable. Like I love I love him. But I already met him in person, and he saw me like when I was like learning about sales and everything. So I didn't close him on the water pitch. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't a reality show. So it, like it's on TV and everything. So next time I see him, like I see him in person or in video, I uh, want him like to see how much I've grown. Yeah. So, well, I here here I'm gonna challenge you. I said I don't think you should wait to interview him. Uh-huh. I think. You should reach out, maybe not now before the event because it's probably busy, but oh, yes. reach out. Make it a goal that next three months you're going to interview Grant Cardone. Three months? Okay. I'm three always months. sending him messages like, hey, how are you? Or I would like, um, so yeah. in three months, I'll interview him. Yeah. Okay. Well, start start now. Just, hey, I'm going to interview you. Make some time for me. This is what you say. <laughs> I'm okay. going to teach you how to sell Grant. Okay. So what you say, we're, we're, we're in March right now. Say, okay, Grant, uh, I'm going to interview you in May. I okay. said, so keep in mind, I want here here are two or three dates. Okay. And then just keep sending those. Hey, by the way, can we confirm those two or three dates? Uh-huh. By the way, hey, uh, Grant, two or three dates. You know, awesome. <laughs> uh, gracias. Yeah, no, no, just keep at it. The thing is, when you give people a date, they go, okay, okay, okay. And uh-huh. then as, they, as the date gets closer, watch, he'll, he'll give you a date. And if he doesn't give you that date, he'll give you another date because you'll feel so bad. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Muchas gracias. <laughs> no, de nada. Try that, pero... No, no, me, me siento orgulloso de estar ahí en la tarifa con los otros, no sé qué decir, charlatanes, oradores. Pero, you know, I, it feels good. I mean, it feels good. Uh, it, it feels like, you know, all these years of, uh, I want to explain that, look, I have this vision in my head. Here's why I'm pausing, because it just reminded me, as I, when I first started out, I was speaking for free. And sometimes I would go to a place to speak, Jessica, and there'd be like two people there. Like two people. It's like yeah. the most depressing thing. I drive all the way downtown or something and only two people showed up. And I remember there were times, many times, where I showed up to an event and I mean, my, the smallest crowd I ever had was one. <laughs> one person showed up. Uh, and so those are times where you're really tested okay. to see if you really want to be a speaker. But it was like, I know I want to be a speaker. I just got to figure this out. I kept telling me, I just got to figure this out. And so it, it's when I look at the, the pause I gave you was that I, I, immediately my brain rushed all the way back to the beginning. And now to see this, and I think there's going to be 2,000 people there is what he is, is, he's expecting. Yes. So uh, it's going to be a great event. I feel very honored. You know, I, you know, I want to thank him personally, you know, because, you know, to be considered and let you know, a lot on the stage, you know, I feel I'm very grateful for that. So a big high five to Grant Cardone. But, you know, uh, about six, seven months ago, I did an event at the MGM Arena. Wow. In Las Vegas. And I think I have a picture on the site. And I think we had about, I think, 17,000 people. Yes. Which is the largest crowd I've ever spoken to. And that it was, I remember looking out from the stage and going, oh, my God. You know, it was almost like I've made it. You know, uh-huh. I made it to the big stage type of thing. So I, I, I want people listening to this know that, you know, success is possible. It's just not a straight line. But you've got to be persistent. You gotta want it. You gotta be, as Les Brown says, you gotta be hungry. Yes. You know, you gotta want it bad. And so, if you know you're on purpose, you know what you want to do. Just keep going. You just figure it out. I even got chills right now. Yeah. <laughs> By you yeah. telling that story, um, is there any other advice that you would like to give the uh, public? The if you're a business owner, you know, a small business. I train a lot of salespeople, and I'm telling you right now that if you don't know how to sell, you don't know how to present you'll always be at a disadvantage. So whether it's for me or somebody else, you got to learn how to present. Okay. One of the best things I did was 
is I joined Toastmasters. I don't know if you're familiar with Toastmasters. I started Toastmasters a year ago, so I'm learning also. <laughs> yeah. And so so that was one of the best investments I've ever made. It was like, what is it, 30, 40 bucks a quarter or something like that? Yeah, it's really cheap. Yeah. yeah. And, and I so, love it. No, it's great. And you learn how to speak. The ability to communicate, to present, to sell your ideas is typically what is going to make or break you. Okay. And, I, and I, I believe that in the core, that if you can't present an idea, you can't explain it in a certain way, you know, you're, you're missing out. And this means in all aspects of life, even if you're not an entrepreneur or business owner, if you work at a corporation, you've got to be able to present. You've yes. got to be able to communicate a message and drive the point home and be very good at it and be very effective at it. And then that is the one skill set that I wish they would also teach in, you know, high schools and colleges, how yes. to present how to communicate. Imagine if you knew about money and you knew how to communicate. Oof. Imagine oof, what a one-two uh, combination. Yes, I will be like like years from now. <laughs> yes, yes. So that, that would be my advice. Learn how to communicate, talk to people, okay. learn how to present. I think it's so important. Victor, muchas, muchas, muchas gracias por toda tu sabiduría y por todos tus consejos. De verdad, gracias. deseo mucha, mucha suerte en marzo con Grand Cardone. I know you will rock it and I, I look forward to meet you in person one day. I look forward to it also, Jessica. Thank you for the opportunity. Muchas gracias, Victor. De nada, gracias. Ay, no te desesperes y ten paciencia que todo en la vida viene. No se trata de velocidad, sino resistencia para lograr lo que se quiere. Por eso dale, mueve, mueve las caderas, vamos a
los tambores.